We're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, and we're going to be today looking at verses 7 through 12. Verse 7 is kind of a little quick review, but then we're going to spend our time in verses 8 through 12. There's a lot of good ideas here, and I'm hoping that the Lord will take one of those ideas and really prick your heart and really speak to you today. But I've titled the message, Death Destroyed, because that's one of my favorite verses here in 2 Timothy, is this idea of Jesus destroying death. So let's start together, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse uh, 8. This is King James to start with. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. All right, what a great truth. There's so many good things here. Um, we'll do a little brief review from last week. And last week in verse uh, 7, we talked about fanning the flame uh, of the Holy Spirit, verse 6. In verse 7, we saw that the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. So I want to ask you again, are you increasing the oxygen so that the flame can grow? How can you increase the oxygen so that the Holy Spirit can grow these things in you? And the first thing we mentioned was serving. You guys remember that, right? Usually what happens is when we step out in service, that's when all of a sudden we get really dependent upon the Lord, right? What happens when you try to tackle something new? Well, nowadays, you go to YouTube, right? <laughs> How do I fix this on my car? How do I fix this in my house? How do I do whatever? I need help. When you step out in service, that's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show up in your life. And it's an opportunity for you to reach out to him. So I put it down this way last week. When a humble heart serves, it finds out that it cannot serve without the Holy Spirit. When you walk into a jail or a nursing home or even downtown Indy to hand out food, you'll find out how much you need the Lord to help you help. Right now, Anna and her team, they're finding that out because they're stepping out in some big faith. But that service is allowing the oxygen to fan the flame of the gift of God. The second thing we talked about last week was communicating, right? And how important it is to communicate to read, to pray, and to worship. You got a new chance, right? What's your resolutions this year? Have you made some? Maybe you don't call them resolutions anymore. You just call it some improvements, right? To communicate is a way to make the oxygen 
really increase so that the Holy Spirit can have his work in our life. Reading. How are you doing in reading? When's the last time you read your Bible outside of the church house? Hopefully, some of you, it was this morning, <laughs> right? You guys, there are so many tools today. There is no excuse for you not to find something that you can use to help you stay in God's Word. Praying. When's the last time you spent some time praying outside of God's house? Asking the Lord for things, but also just being in his presence. Like we saw in the book of Jude, right? We need the Holy Spirit to even guide our prayers. And we need some time, some quiet time to do that. And then worship. When's the last time you worshiped outside of the church house? Ray is really good about this. He loves to sing. And when he is singing and he is praising the Lord and he loves to do it anywhere and everywhere, we need to be increasing the oxygen so that the Spirit of God would move and work in our lives. So serving, communicating, and the last one is just fellowship, those godly friendships and community. We need to put these things together. All right, that was last week. Again, fan the flame of the gift of God. Today, we want to start off with the idea of not being ashamed. Do not be ashamed. So let's look down in verse 8. There, Paul writes, again, he's writing to Timothy. Think about the situation. Timothy is the new preacher trying to carry on the work of Paul. He could be fearful of some of the older leaders, uh, the stronger leaders of the church. Paul says, do not be ashamed. Look in verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Do not be ashamed. It's easy to not be ashamed here, right? Yeah. Oh, I can sing. I can pray. I love the Lord. Let's go put you out with some people who don't love the Lord. How are you doing then? Right? And that's where that message really is trying. Paul's trying to get through to Timothy. Do not be ashamed. This is from Enduring Word, and I thought this was pretty good. He says, think of Jesus' teaching. If you want to be great, be the servant of all, be like a child, like a slave, like the younger son, like the last instead of the first. And this is a testimony that some would be ashamed of. And that's where the teachings of Jesus can be hard, right? Turn the other cheek. Well, if I turn the other cheek, I'd be ashamed of that. I'm competitive. I want to be number one. <laughs> Jesus says, you need to want to be last. Well, I would be ashamed of that, right? The whole truth of the gospel is counter to the culture. The culture says, you stand out. You fight for yourself. You take care of number one. And the scripture says, you serve others. You humble yourself. You let God have the glory. And for some people, that can be a little bit embarrassing, a little bit shameful. And again, Paul says to Timothy, do not be ashamed. Have you ever been ashamed of sharing the gospel? Have you ever been ashamed when you were around someone who shared the gospel? Let me give you a little story here this morning to think about this and hopefully to challenge our hearts today. And this is from uh, Eastman Curtis. He says, as a youth pastor, I just entered a convenience store with Jeff to pay for the gas I'd put in the church van. It was apparent that the woman behind the counter had been crying. So I looked at her and I said, has anybody let you know today that Jesus really loves you? Well, Jeff freaked out. He took off running. He dived back into the van. 
As nobody else was in the store, I witnessed for the next few minutes to that woman who was going through a really difficult time in her life. After she asked Christ to come into her heart, her whole countenance changed. When I got into the van, Jeff said, don't ever do that again. Don't do what again, I asked. Witness to people like that, he replied. Did you see how embarrassed the lady got? I responded, Jeff, you got more embarrassed than she did. In fact, I prayed with her and she received the Lord. I took Jeff back into the store to meet the woman, now radiant with the love of God, a complete contradiction of what she had been just a few minutes before. Ever embarrassed about sharing the gospel? Right, that kind of really puts it where it is, doesn't it, right? That's what I love about Anna and her team. That girl, she's as bold as a lion, isn't she? We need to be bold as the Lord leads. There's a time to be quiet. There's a time to just serve, but there's a time to speak. And when the Holy Spirit leads us to speak, we need to speak. Do not be ashamed. Right? You wear the name Christian. Don't be ashamed of that. That's who you are. You know? Who are you today? Are you a Seitz or a McLean or a Fields or a Kraus, McCoonthan, a Penn of all things, a Dillard? <laughs> Who are you? There's a lot attached to that name, right? How would your parents feel or your grandparents feel if you were ashamed of your name? We should not be ashamed of the name of Christ. We should wear it with, with pride and the sense of pride that we love the Lord that we serve. Do not be ashamed. Paul says, remember me. Remember me, his prisoner. And just a quick reminder here, this is one of the pastoral epistles, but Paul is actually in prison as he writes this letter. He is about to be martyred, and he knows it. Think about that for a second. He doesn't live in America. <laughs> his life is about to end because he is a Christ follower, and he's writing these things to Timothy. And so I think that's an important thing for us to remember Again, a quick reminder here that the Lord says that he will be ashamed of those who are ashamed of him. But instead of being afraid or ashamed, we are called to do what? To join in suffering and to suffer for the gospel. When was the last time you suffered for the gospel? It's been a while? And again, I don't do this to try to, I hope you don't think I'm like glorying in the wrong things here, but Sindhu sent me uh, pictures again this last week of Christians in some of his areas who were worshiping on Christmas Day, who were literally beaten for celebrating Christmas. Now, here's what stood out to me from this passage. Not only are we called to suffer, but we're called to share in the sufferings. And as I got to thinking about that, we can share in sufferings, can't we, right? For our brothers and sisters today who are suffering, we can pray for them. We can pray for their protection, for God to give them endurance, for the Holy Spirit to be guiding and leading them. We can share in that way. We can share in resources to help them if they, for some reason, have lost a house or lost friends or lost resources. We can share resources with them as well. We can participate in our, the suffering of our brothers and sisters around the world. So even though today maybe you think, well, I'm not really suffering, and maybe you, in your context you won't like they would, we can share in that suffering. As a matter of fact, we'll see later in 1 Timothy uh, that 
excuse me, in 2 Timothy, that Paul will have people come to share in his suffering. Onesiphorus, we'll see next week, is actually going to chase him down to find him to help him. So again, even if we are not suffering directly, we can share in suffering through compassion, prayer, and the sharing of resources. Now, if you'll notice again at the end of this, this passage here, and you guys hang in there with me, I know this is uh, low intensity today, but I really want you to pay attention here to this idea. To endure suffering, we need the power of God. Remember last week, the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit of fear, right? But uh, what's the first one? Power, right? To endure suffering is you're not supposed to endure it alone. You're not supposed to endure it on your own strength. There was just a few of us on Wednesday night on our Zoom call, but it was amazing. We were doing the resurrection, and over and over again, the message was, do not be afraid. The women show up at the, at the tomb. <laughs> what a sight. There had been an earthquake, a violent earthquake. An angel had rolled the stone away, sitting on the stone, and the ladies show up. I think I'd be scared. <laughs> he says, do not be afraid. Jesus is risen. He's gone for you. So as they go take off, they run into the Lord. What's Jesus tell them? He says, do not be afraid. <laughs> Again, they're about to go on and embark on a whole new life without the Lord being with them. But he says, do not be afraid. And then he finishes up with the Great Commission, right? He says, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And what's, how does he finish up that book in Matthew? He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Again, don't be afraid because I'm the one that has the power and I'm the one that says, I'll be with you. We cannot endure suffering without the power of God. But he has the power. He has all the power. So today, if you're struggling or if maybe there's a work situation you're dealing with that you're finding some confrontation, or maybe it's a neighbor you're trying to share the gospel with, or maybe it's even a family member that you're trying to tell about Jesus, and there's some struggle there. Seek the Lord's power. Don't endure the suffering in your own power. For our brothers and sisters who are enduring physical suffering or economic suffering around the world, they can't do it on their own. They need the power of the Lord, and we need to be praying that God will provide that for them. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. Again, just want to remind you of that. Okay. Do not be ashamed. Second thing this morning, grace has been revealed. Look down at verse 9. He has saved us, that is God, and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He saved us. Grace is revealed, right? Again, you're kind of getting a theme here. It's not about your own ability and your own power. Why did God save Todd Fields? Is it because he's great at welding? Is it because he's good at chemistry? Maybe he just liked Donna, so he saved him anyways, right? Why did God pick you? Is it because you're smart or is it because you're funny or is it because you're really a good, nice person? What does the scripture say again, right? Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and his own grace. God does it for his reason, not for you. 
that's hard. I thought God saved me because he really liked me. (laughs) Does God love us? Absolutely. Amen, he does. But salvation is about his glory, not about ours. And salvation, listen here, is about the work of Jesus on the cross and not about how good a person that you think you are. Are you hearing the Lord speak that clearly today? You guys, that is a message that the church needs to hear, not let alone the world, right? There's so many people in church that think they're earning God's favor. And again, the scripture is so clear. It was for his glory, his purpose, his grace. That's why he saves. Everybody hanging there with that is such an important truth. Again, salvation is revealed in Jesus. And what we saw again on Wednesday night, it is verified by the resurrection. I just love that. When those ladies go there and they see that angel, it said that they left afraid, but filled with joy. That's kind of how I want to live my life. I want to be close enough to God that I'm almost scared to death, but also I want to be filled with so much joy because I know what's ahead. That's where the ladies were, and that's where we need to be because this resurrection is evidence and verification that God's salvation has been delivered to us. As a matter of fact, The plan was set out before the beginning of time. The grace was already given even before this earth was created. And then it says those beautiful two words in verse 10, Jesus has destroyed what? Death. Anybody afraid of death? Afraid of dying? I had an interesting conversation with my son not too long ago, and I thought it was kind of neat in a way that he's afraid of some things, but one thing he really wasn't afraid of is death because he knows he's where he needs to be in the Lord. And man, that gives a dad a whole lot of confidence and encouragement, doesn't it? Right? Because we don't need to be afraid of death. Death is actually just the portal, the passage to life, to the best life. Don't be scared of it. As a matter of fact, Jesus can teach us to not be scared of it, right? He shows up and we give him, you guys, I guess everybody should have been there Wednesday night. Maybe we'll have to replay it. I don't know. (laughs) It was really good because the women go and they clasp his feet and they worship him. Jesus has a physical attribute, a physical body after he is delivered from the grave. So when he says you're going to have a new body, he evidenced that. That is a reason for us not to be afraid of death, but to look forward to life. He destroyed death. Death has no power over you today if you're a believer in Jesus. It doesn't. The Lord already crushed it. He abolished it, King James says. And then he showed us what living life will be. And again, the end of verse 10, he said he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Anybody ever want to live forever? Looking for the fountain of youth? Jesus has brought it to light. He has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. There is life for those who would repent of their sins and trust Jesus. That's the gospel. Tell somebody that this week. Tell them that Jesus loves them, that he cares about them. All right, let's finish up. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And some of you guys may know this old hymn that actually is done this verse and made it into a song. 
Verse 11, Paul says, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard or to keep what I have entrusted to him until that day. Look with me here just briefly. He says that he is a herald, but right before that, he says, I was appointed. Uh, can I speak to you clear today? I want to see some preachers come up out of this church someday. Maybe even some couple honorary boys, who knows what the Lord might do. Seems like the honorary ones turned out to be good preachers. All right. But a preacher is a calling, is not a job. And if you try to do preaching and pastoring as a job, you'll be miserable. You need the calling. Some of you as well have a calling on your life for other things, for different things. We need to find out what the Lord's direction is for us and pursue that with all of our heart. Paul says, I was appointed, not a job, a calling to be a herald, to be a proclaimer to someone to, to preach and declare the truth of the gospel. I was appointed to be an apostle, a distinct leader, someone who was going to guide and establish and develop the church. And then he says, a teacher of the Gentiles. Now hear me out this morning. Paul says he was not just a preacher, but someone who was modeling, not just talking about what it was to not only witness, to, but to live in a new way that's worthy of the gospel. You guys, I love to teach. I love to teach on Wednesday nights. I love teaching from the pulpit here. But the best teaching is the teaching that we do when people go with us and see us as we make decisions in the world. Are you hearing me out there today? As parents, your kids are watching you and how you handle the situation, right? How did you handle it when you were confronted? How did you handle it when grief hit you? How did you handle it when things didn't go exactly like you wanted? That's when you're teaching. In church, it's the same way. Not only is it good to hear the gospel and be taught and know the truth in these pews and in the chairs, but we go out on a Sunday afternoon and we're walking downtown and we don't know who we're going to run into and what kind of shape they're going to be in. That's a time where we teach people, and especially our young people, that we're willing to step out into some maybe scary situations or unknown situations to do what we think the Lord wants us to do, right? That's when God uses us to teach. I'm going to ask you today, are you teaching? Who are you teaching? Not just talking, but who is modeling their life after how you are living? Paul says at the end there, verses, he says, that he suffered because he was living out his calling. I'm going to be really honest with you today. If we live out our calling, we're going to suffer some too. Maybe not to the same extent. For some, it's physical. For some, it's economic. For some, it is maybe mocking. Uh, and some of it is just not being accepted in certain places. But if you're going to live out your calling, not everybody is going to like you. And Paul lays that out really clear. But then he says this, and I love what he says. Paul is not ashamed. He was not worried. And why is that? He says, I know whom I have believed, not what. Did you catch it? He didn't say, I know what I believe. I've said that a lot in my life. I know what I think. I know what's right. I know what. Paul didn't say, I know what. What did he say? I know whom I have believed. And I know he's able to carry it out. 
in church, we have to be careful because sometimes we can be all about I know the what. Some of you have been through church training most of your life. You know the what, right? I've been with the guys in jail who know the what better than I do. They've been studying the scriptures because they have all this time for years. They've memorized the Bible. They know the what. Paul says, I, just not, I know the what is I know whom I have believed. And when you know the whom, it changes your outlook. It changes your behavior. It changes your countenance. I know whom I have believed. My question to you this morning is, do you know whom you believe? Not just what. See, the more we get to know who God is, the more it increases our faith. And Paul says he is able to guard or to keep what I've entrusted to him. Nobody's going to take away what Paul did for the Lord. And nobody can take away what you do for the Lord. They can take your house. They can take your car. They can maybe even hurt your family. But what you give to Christ, nobody can touch it. He will guard it and he will keep it against that day. When the day of the Lord comes and everything is settled, those things that you've given to Christ, they will be held. And you can take that to the bank. Nobody can take it. And Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I know that he is able to guard, to keep what I've entrusted to him against that day. Another verse very similar, Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What God starts in you, he is able to finish when you give it to him. Paul says that he entrusted his life and his death to God. How about you? It's easy to say, I'll give my life to God. Will you give your death to God? <laughs> Man, preacher, you're just full of happy things today, right? Will you entrust your death to God? That's what Paul said. That's what he's saying here. I have given it to him to take care of. And this is a really good quote. And I'm going to give you a chance to think about this next one here as we look at this idea together. We must not mind insulting men if by respecting them, we offend God. Think about that. We must not mind insulting people if by respecting people we offend God who would you rather offend your neighbor your co-worker your family member or the holy almighty creator of the universe that's easier said than done right but what an idea for us to be mindful of this morning Ken Hutcherson says in his book, Hope is Contagious, uh, he shares a personal testimony of facing a terminal illness. In the process of battling cancer, he heard a story that reflects how we often lose hope in our trials. Henderson said a disturbing report hit the news about a little boy in Chicago who was shot and permanently disabled in a drive-by shooting. That fact alone is awful enough, but the reporter went on to say that everybody in the neighborhood knew who the shooter was but no one came forward to identify him. The boy's mother even acknowledged that she drove by the shooter's house every day on her way to work. But what caught my attention were the words of an educator from Chicago who was interviewed by the reporter. The quote went something like this. That's what happens when people lose 
hope. You don't think things will get better, so you just give up. Hutcherson's comments on the hope we have through Christ's presence are this. He says, I don't want to see anyone give up hope, especially when hope is so readily within our grasp. Whether you're walking the streets of the inner city of Chicago or sitting at your kitchen table, no tragedy can dim the hope that comes from knowing that God will walk with you through the valley and that his presence will give you peace. My question to you today is, who can you share hope with this week? Do not be ashamed. Who can you share hope with this week? Let's share together even for Anna and her team as they are sharing hope in a faraway place. But let's also share hope locally, right? And let's pray for one another even this week. And then the last thing I wanted to question into with today was, have you entrusted your life and your death to God? Lord, I give you my life. <laughs> We say that a lot, right? But even your death, Lord, I give you me and I trust it to you that you will be able to to use it for your glory and for my joy. Let's stand this morning and we'll have prayer together.